Hey guys, welcome to How Not To Be A Dick When Going Out To Eat. I'm Summer. Now let's get our shift started. Come on, just stab your tickets. Coming in corner. It's so cold in here. Can you turn the heat up? Hey, can you put the game on the TV? 86 Salmon. Welcome back, my friends. Uh, we are still in full spooky season mood here spooky. at the podcast. It's so spooky. Scary. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and today we are joined uh, again by our dear friend, Pat. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we're going to be diving into another true crime episode here. Uh, do you listen to true crime podcasts? Um, I don't listen to the podcasts much, but I do like the shows, yeah. uh, uh, th- and they're great. There's, uh, what's yeah. that, there's that guy that's on the NBC show that, uh, and then the wife murdered him, or whatever, uh, yeah, is a really distinctive voice, I like him. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's relaxing. But the tables were about to turn. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The husband done fucked up, and she killed him. It's always the husband. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but today, so we're going to be discussing Herb Baumeister. Yeah. Did I say that right? I know. Yeah. You, yeah? Okay. Baumeister. Baumeister. Yeah. So if I say it wrong in the podcast, just move on, guys. Yeah. It, it's going to happen. We, we were not friends with this guy, so we're yeah. not perfect yeah. on this. Um, he was a very sick fuck. Yes. So, and I hope that he is rotting in hell. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so this serial killer lived right here in Indiana, a uh, little suburb right outside of Indianapolis uh, called Westfield. Uh, and he preyed on gay men in the Indianapolis area, and we hate him. We definitely hate him. We hate him so, 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 so much. Um, so you were working in the industry when this was going on, and you yep. were you were going out to the gay bars. Like, do you remember much about this while it was happening? Uh, it wasn't widespread. It wasn't hugely discussed. But uh, there were people that were in the know. Uh, uh, more more so some of the uh, older people knew. You know, they were older, more mature, more aware. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the young people are just out doing their thing and not paying attention to yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, and when he started out, he was killing, as young as, like, teenagers, like yeah. 14, 15. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then into the 20s and whatever. Uh, so it was, it, if you had an older friend, uh, they would give you the sage advice of uh, be careful yeah. Don't go home with strange men that you don't know. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Be the, the, be aware uh, because there's this serial killer operating. Yeah. Uh, but this was before the internet was everywhere, and before all of this information would have been easily discovered online. Yeah. So it was just spread by word of mouth, yeah. and it was some people didn't believe it. Uh, some people, uh, you know, thought it couldn't be them. Yeah. It was just kind of frightening. Uh, at the time, I was just young and didn't. I didn't go home with people so yeah it was not an issue for me yeah that's just it's just crazy to like be in that scenario where you're like fuck this is happening yeah. you know like i've heard i'm big into the podcast and the shows and you know movies and stuff but like i've never experienced it yeah you know i've never like been alive enough that i would i mean i was alive when when some of this was happening but i was a very small child you know so yeah. i i don't remember it at all so i think that would be very nerve-wracking yeah it's like the, when uh, the, the serial killers often uh, targeted uh, prostitutes and minorities uh, because they were less likely to get discovered and uh, arrested uh, because uh, people, you know, tend to 
had had tended to care less about those people and and their demise and yeah. what happened to them. Yeah. So th- that was the thing. No one cared about gay men during that period, yeah. and uh, yeah. if they were getting murdered, it was it was not deeply looked into. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if if you're a gay man going out and hooking up with people, or if you were a prostitute, and yeah. every every person you were like, no whammies, no whammies, ah, oh, busted. Right. Yeah. And then you're dead. Yeah, and then you're dead. God, it's just so frightening. So frightening. Okay, guys, we're getting ready to dive into the story. Uh, and again, just like the other true crime podcast, I, I researched this all on on the interwebs. Um, so this will be to the best of my knowledge based on the research I found. So if I get something not 100% correct, please don't get mad at me because it's based off the research I found. Um, this, this guy was not Summer's dad. No. We don't, we don't no. know him that well. No, sure don't. <laughs> Okay, so picture a young boy playing in a wooded backyard of his family home in 1994. He's living the dream just exploring the area, and he stumbles across the complete partially buried skeleton. Yeesh. Yeah. And shock and worry cross his face. These remains will shock a town just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, and help police to identify the murder of several young boys and adult men. Can you imagine just, like, I don't know, playing pirates or whatever you know with your imaginary friend and then all of a sudden you're like that's Dead a fucking body. skeleton yeah what uh the that fuck? would be a shocking thing to happen in your childhood yeah that would be a definitely a huge moment yeah uh possible trauma for years yeah. to come. jesus yeah okay so her Baumeister was born in 1947 in indianapolis indiana and he had what was called a normal childhood Although, in his adolescence, he was described as having antisocial behavior, and his friends described his fascination, which when I read this, I about threw up, but he had a fascination with what it would be like to taste human urine. But not his. He didn't want to try his. He wanted to drink other people's urine. To each their own, but uh, as a yeah. child, stating that to your friends, yeah. that's a bit shocking. Yeah. Um... He also enjoyed playing with dead animals and urinating on his teacher's desk. Weird. Yeah. Um, first off, like, if your kids, you know, like, I know kids run across, like, dead animals in the woods or whatever. Right. And it's it might be fascinating the first time. But, like, if they're constantly playing with, with dead animals. You, well, that's a common serial killer thing, animal yeah. torture. And then... Like, you may want to have that kid sit down with a... A therapist, you know. Yeah. Talk that shit out. But that's just my opinion. Right. You know. Usually my opinion is the best opinion. Of course. But, you know. Of course. Of course. Uh, so, yeah. After all of this happening, you know, his father's realizing, like, something might be a little wrong with his kids. So, he takes him in for some psychiatric testing. Uh, and he's diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia and antisocial personality disorder. But his father decided not to get him further treatment. Uh, I'm not defending his father and saying he made the right decision, but yeah. in that day and age, what this probably would have been in the 50s, yeah. uh, maybe maybe even the early 60s. But in that day and age, the mental health was dismissed and yeah. getting treatment for mental health was yeah. uh, frown, frowned upon, really. Yeah. Uh, and you were, you were supposed to hide that stuff and not deal with it and not yeah. make it known. So a parent covering up some 
some issues with their child was very, very, very common. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. You know, like even nowadays, I feel like mental health is still oh, it's still a stigma. still yeah a stigma, and which it just needs to not be. You know, yeah. It, everybody you know needs a little help sometimes. Yeah, if you have bad kidneys, everyone's like, oh. Yeah. But if you have mental health, they're like, ew. Yeah, you know. like, what's wrong with you? Like, or they just dismiss it and get, you know what you need? Yeah. You should go out and get some fresh air and exercise. Yeah. That would, go for a walk. That'll make everything better. Yeah, that'll make it all that, better. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not how things work. So, yeah, but no, I could definitely see, you know, at first when I was reading that, I'm like, why the fuck wouldn't he get him some help? Like, if he knew all this was going on, but yeah, now that you. It's the era. Yeah, yeah. the era of it. Yeah. That what if it sense. gets out that my child has all these problems? Yeah. How, what is the community going to think? Yeah, everybody in his community probably would have looked down on him for sure. If he was a church person, what would the church think? Yeah. Well, they're all whispering about my child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to fast forward just a wee bit. In 1971, he married his wife, Julie. Um, later, you know, after things are have come out about him, uh, she described her marriage to him as odd and concerning and she stated that in the 25 years of marriage they only had six sexual intimate times and she never saw her husband naked that's really 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 strange and it makes me wonder why she normalized this and just uh just said this is fine this is this is how marriage i mean wouldn't you i don't know people stay with People stay with pedophiles, people stay with abusers, yeah. people stay with all kinds of situations, so it's hard to say. Maybe she yeah. felt like she couldn't leave. Yeah. I mean, I could see that where, you know, in the 70s, yeah, she probably couldn't leave, to be honest with me, you know. But that's just, I don't know. It's hard for me to put myself in their position way back when. Yeah. Because now I'm like, no, that's not a marriage I'm staying in. Mm-mm. Like, that, that's not happening. So, six months into their marriage, his father committed him to a psychiatric hospital for two months. So, he's finally getting a little bit, a of, help little bit of help. It's probably too late for him. Um, and I'm not, I just, I just want to make a little side note on this podcast real quick. I am not saying that somebody with paranoid schizophrenia is going to be a serial killer. Like, I don't no. want people getting all pissed off about that. Like, that's not at all what I'm saying. This person happened to be a serial killer right. and had paranoid schizophrenia. So, yeah, just wanted to make that note so people don't come after me, you know. Correlation um, is not causation. Yes. Uh, yes. So, regardless of the irregularities of their marriage, they had three children together and were able to successfully open two Save-A-Lot thrift stores. So, they end up, you know, having these successful businesses and it's starting to, like... Look up for them. They're starting to become a, a little bit more upper class than they were beforehand. So now we're going to kind of go on the other lane of a story. Because there's a lot of a lot of stories within this story. Mm-hmm. Um, so between June 1980 and October 1991, Indiana was rocked and worried about the killings committed by the I-70 Strangler. The I-70 Strangler has honestly never been officially identified i just want to say that but the i-70 strangler killed 11 young boys and adult men that were last seen in popular gay bars and similar establishments within a four block radius in indianapolis indiana Um, all of these victims were found naked or partially clothed near i-70 often they were dumped in rivers streams and ditches in the rural countryside along it 
uh, and all of these victims were strangled to death. The victims, the victims were Michael Petrie, and I apologize if I'm saying uh, names wrong, okay? Michael Petrie, 15, who was 15. That's insane. Yeah. Maurice Taylor, who was 23. Delvoid Lee Baker, who was 14. Michael Andrew Riley, who was 22. Eric Allen Rotger, 17. Michael Allen Glenn, who was 29. James Robbins, who was 21. Jane Paul Talbot, who I, I couldn't find an age on him. I apologize. Uh, Stephen L. Elliott, who was 26. Clay Russell Boatman, who was 32. Thomas Klebinger, who was 19. And Otto Gary Becker, who was 42. So the Strangler just went from like all ranges. All over. But always men. Always men. Always picked up in a gay bar. And then just strangled. But I'm wondering how he met 14, 15, 17, 16 year olds. Um, uh, some of the information I found is that they were sex workers okay. who worked near the gay bars. So uh, they were on the streets. Yeah. Again, that goes yeah. back to uh, we don't care about sex workers and we don't yeah. care about gay men dying yeah. during that era. Yeah. Well, the, it, this has some parallels to the Jeffrey Dahmer stuff yeah. where, especially if anybody watched the Dahmer series on Netflix, yeah. which was so disturbing. Mm hmm. Um, that the cops would just laugh and they didn't yeah. care about gay men getting murdered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and sadly, that's kind of how the police treated all of this. Yeah. You know. Um, so I will say in 1991, the bodies of the I-70 Stranglers stopped appearing. They just stopped. So in the early 1990s, investigators with Marion County Sheriff's Department and the Indianapolis Police Department began investigating the disappearance of these gay men. So these men have been being killed since 1980, and we're finally looking into it in early 90s. I mean, it's literally like, what the fuck, guys? Someone must have, with a with a yeah. little more progressive mindset and viewpoint, must have said, "Yeah, this is a thing that we can we can tie all of these together, and maybe we can solve this case." Yeah, like let's get off our asses and fucking do yeah. our jobs is basically. Uh, so in 1992, the investigators were contacted by a man named Tony, claiming that a gay bar patron calling himself Brian Smart had likely killed his friend Roger. Based on his suspicious interest in Roger's missing persons case, uh, so he, you know, this guy's in there in the bar talking about, oh my god, so so what's going on with that? Do they have any information? Do they know anything? Do they know anything? And he's just acting weird. Trying to get information out of people. The Brian Smart is. The Brian Smart is. Yeah. So, you know, Tony's like, bro seems weird as shit. I'm yeah. going to call the cops. Uh, so the cops don't really do anything. Uh, he again saw Brian Smart in 1995 and decided he was going to follow him and get his license plate information. Which, that's kind of ballsy because, I, like, if I suspected somebody of being, like, killing my friend, I wouldn't get into my car and follow them. Yeah. <laughs> like I just be a good way to that. get killed yourself, but yeah. that's pretty brave. Yeah, but I'm like, I guess you know he wants to get justice for his friend, so right, he's gonna make it happen. So based on, I the would follow your killer, son. Oh, I'd follow I your killer too. Oh, that's so nice. Yes, frenzies. <laughs> uh, so based on this information that Tony gets with the license plate, uh, he gives it to the police. The police are able to identify Herb Baumeister as Brian Smart. Uh, which is, okay, awesome. Now we've got an actual name to this motherfucker. Yeah. 
So with that information, the police approached Baumeister and let him know that he was now a suspect in the murder. Uh, they requested that the Baumeisters allowed investigators to search their property and Herb and Julie both refused the search. Mm. Which I'm, you know, I don't know the law, obviously. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a judge. Whatever. Um, I've never actually been arrested, so I can't even say that I know the law that way. Uh, but I would think that if you have a license plate, like, wouldn't you be able to get a warrant? Yeah, it's obviously they couldn't get a warrant or they didn't try uh, but it's circumstantial. A guy said that he thinks this guy killed his friend. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, but this friend just disappeared, and the friend could have just skipped town or whatever, yeah. so they didn't have a lot to go on. Yeah. That's true. Oh, you're so smart. This is why you're here, Pat. This is why you're here. Because me, on the hand, I'm just fired up. Like, why didn't you just fucking get the guy? Why didn't you shoot him the Don't first time Don't ask for permission. Just fucking do it. <laughs> uh, Take him down. Yeah, motherfucker. Uh, so yeah, later on, you know, after a little while, Julie is now becoming increasingly uncomfortable with her husband's erratic behavior. Right. Well, he's got to be nervous and paranoid and thinking he's going to get caught. Yeah. The police have already talked to him and his wife. Yeah. Yes. Um, so she files for divorce and granted police access to search the property while Baumeister was on vacation. Now, this property... Uh, it's a 18-acre farm in Westfield, Indiana. This is the wooded area that that kid found that skeleton in. Now, when he found that skeleton, it's before the police are even trying to investigate. And the kid and Julie are like, hey, Herb, you know, the fuck is this? And he's like, oh, it's from my dad. I guess his dad was like an anesthesiologist. And he's like, oh, it's just one of his, like you know, a skeleton that he got from the medical lab or whatever. And I had, I was storing it in the garage and then I didn't know what to do with it. So I just buried it. Yeah. Cause that's not sketchy and weird. Yeah. Cause <laughs> that's just what you normally do. Of course. I often have inventory problems with the number of skeletons, All the in, skeletons. My, yeah. in my uh, yeah. garage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, well, Currently, my house and outside of my house are, like, overrun with skeletons, <laughs> but they're fake. That's intended. Yeah. yeah. It's intended, and they're all fake. They're plastic. Yeah. Come and look at them. But, yeah. So, this is the same wooded area that this kid found that at, right? Um, so, she grants the police to come on, and in 1996, investigators were able to recover the bone fragments of at least 11 males buried in the woods on Fox Hollow Farms. Now, only eight of these bodies were able to be identified. Uh, The Fox Hollow Farms victims that were identified were John Lee Bayer, who was 20, Jeffrey Allen Jones, who was 31, Richard Douglas Hamilton, who was 20, Manuel Resendez, who was 31, Stephen Hale, who was 28, Alan Wayne Broussand, who was 28, Roger Allen Goodlett, who was 33, so that's Tony's friend. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and Michael Frederick Kern, who was 45. As of today, like literally as of today, the other three bodies are still not identified. That's so sad. Yeah. Um, so after all of these bodies are found on the Fox Hollow Farms, and then they get an arrest warrant, uh, they issue it for Herb Baumeister. So he finds out and he flees to Ontario, Canada. Okay, he's like, I'm out of here. He ends up going to this park, and he ends up committing suicide. Fuck you. Like, I'm glad he's gone. Hope he's rotten in hell. 
But this motherfucker, not only is he just a piece of shit completely, and he's, you know, ruined... Like, he's killed these people, and he's ruined all of their friends' and family's lives by taking them from them. He leaves a three-page suicide note, and in this note, he only states that he regrets messing up the part where he commits the suicide and how he felt bad for his broken marriage and failing business. Not once does he ever admit to the crimes, which clearly he fucking did, and he never once makes an apology to any of the victims. Mm. Like, he just does not mention them. No remorse. 100% no remorse. Just, he's like, "Oh, oh, it sucks that, you know, I'm killing myself in this park. Bye. I'm like, how how big of a piece of shit do you have to be? Like, you're at the moment. Like, you know you're caught. You're at your final moments. You can't just say something about the horrible things you've done. If you know you're going to kill yourself, then at least come clean. Yeah. It seems like. Yeah. So the investigators at this time attributed the I-70 Strangler's killings to her Baumeister based on the fact that the victims uh, were the same ages Uh, They were all male. They had the same sexual orientation. Um, And the fact that the I-70 Stranglers killings stopped the same year, or, well, finding the bodies stopped the same year that her Bobmeister bought his 18-acre farm. So that's why I say when, you know, when I tell the story of the I-70 Strangler, like, they don't know because... Well, he bought his farm. He didn't stop killing people. He just changed how he... He just buried them in his farm. Disposed of the bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So it... It's believed that the I-70 Strangler and her Baumeister are mm. one and the same. Once and I think a, it's a fairly... Once upon a time during the investigation, it was theorized that the uh, the killer might be a truck driver yeah. that dumps bodies as he's driving through the area. Yeah. Uh, but obviously that wasn't the case, but it would make sense they're all dumped right off of I-70. Yeah. But this works, too, because he lives yeah. here, so he's just going in some direction on 70 and dumping bodies all around. Yeah. But it's just so sad that he, like, in his note, he couldn't just own up to everything. Mm-hmm. So then so many more mysteries would be solved. Like. I'm sorry to the families of, of of everyone. Yeah. Like, give the victim's families a little bit of closure. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, he's dead, but I don't know. He's a piece of shit. I can't, I can't even really put myself in his mind. He's gone, but there was never really any justice. Yeah. True. Very true. Uh, so now, in 2022, investigators went back to Fox Hollow Farms, found one more bone, and identified 20 additional locations that might have more remains. I didn't. I couldn't find any more information on that, so I don't know if they so ever the searched those. Investigation is still going. Yeah. Hmm. I think they're still figuring stuff out. You know, like how many people did he actually kill? Is the thing. So, 40 years plus after he started all this, they're still investigating. That's Mm -hmm. insane. Yeah. I'm like, so, you know, although this piece of shit Baumeister is gone, like, his crimes are still ongoing because they just keep finding shit. Well, all these, the unidentified victims and then the victims that they likely never found, their families still suffered and hurt all these years. Yeah. And they never had any closure. They never had any knowledge. They never knew. Yeah. They just knew that their loved one disappeared yeah i mean it's just i mean i hate having a true crime story that is still ongoing right although i will say the one we did about burger chef they don't officially know who did it so Hmm. i guess that's what makes them interesting is interesting the right word um maybe yeah 
Like, part of me hates myself for enjoying true crime stories. Like, it's not that I enjoyed Somebody Died, but... Well, it's interesting to see, because most people don't have a serial killer in their friend group or family. Yeah. So it's interesting to see the things that people will, are actually capable of Yeah. Um, in the world. It's perhaps a little ghoulish to find it very entertaining, but it's also good to make you aware yeah. that these people are out there and that you need to be aware of your surroundings, aware yeah. of who you're talking to and dealing with, aware of making yourself vulnerable in situations. Yeah. Uh, and uh, to make safer decisions. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, especially nowadays, because... And I think it's because the information's so readily available to us mm-hmm. that we now understand just how fucked up some people are. Right. Like, there's some crazy-ass people out there. I think there's always been crazy-ass people, but now we just have the information thrown at us all the time. Oh, for sure. It's on the internet. It's on the yeah. 180 news channels. It's on yeah. everything. Yeah, but it's like I was listening to a podcast the other day, and this guy wins the lottery, and he's from Florida, and uh, basically he he gets this person, this person does an interview with him, and then that person ends up taking over his finances, and she just like steals all the money from him. And, like, he had lent out all this money to his friends and family, and this person was literally in charge of getting the money back because the guy did not want to fight with them, his friends and family anymore. And they're just taking all this money from him, and then they're worried that he's going to find out, so they kill him. Wow. Like, it's a whole... They actually, like, changed a law in Florida where you don't have to name yourself if you win the lottery anymore because of this murder and i'm like you know me i play the lottery every week i'm like because that's Mm -hmm. that's the fucking dream for me i'm not telling anybody (laughs) i would not murder you for your money summer no i know you wouldn't wouldn't. well that's because i'm gonna build you a house on my on my comedy so you'll have all the money you need anyways you don't have to kill me we'll just share yeah but i'm like it's it's funny listening to these you know the podcasts i listen to or even you know reading books or watching movies i'm like i never even thought i would have to worry about some of the shit that happens on these. I'm like, I don't think I can trust anybody anymore. The the way that money makes people crazy uh, and do things that you wouldn't ever think that they're capable yeah. of. Yeah. So many stories of when, uh, when a relative dies and people come out of the woodwork or even people that have been an active part of that yeah. person's life, they just go insane about yeah. uh, inheritances and money and what's left to them and what they can get, yeah. what they can steal, what they can yeah. take from the others. Yeah. They yeah. think they deserve it. I know we just kind of went off on a little tangent here, but I mean, basically, the moral of any of these true crime stories is: be careful what you're doing because yes. there are some fucked up people in the world. Yeah, don't yeah. get yourself in a situation that being makes little, you uncomfortable. Being a little cynical and a little overly safe, uh, yeah, is not a bad thing. Yeah, like you know, when you're young, you're taught not to get in cars with strangers. But now you order cars from your phone and a stranger fucking drives you somewhere. Yeah. I'm like, it's just, it's, it's honestly not safe. You invite a stranger to your house to bring you food. Yeah. I'm like, you know, or I've sold some things on Marketplace. And there's a bunch of scammers on there anyways on fa- uh, Facebook Marketplace. Uh, right. But like one guy, he was, I, I don't remember what I was selling, but he was like, okay, give me your address. And I was like, well, no, I'll meet you at the grocery store near my house. Or I'll meet you at the brewery near my house. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just come to your house. And I'm like, no, the fuck no, you will, bro. No, you you ain't coming here. Mm-mm. I'm not giving you my address. That 
That goes, yeah, that's not happening. That's top of the list of things that's not fucking happening. And then finally he just, yeah, then he just like stopped messaging me. (laughs) And I was like, okay. Mm -mm. Like, we're going to meet somewhere in public, somewhere safe. You're not coming to my house, then you know where I live. Yeah. There's just too many fucked up people in the world. Mm -mm. We all got to protect ourselves. Yeah. I mean, which sucks that fucked up people have to make us, you know, live in a world where we have to think about these things. Right. I mean, you should be able to just go out to a bar and have a drink. And fuck, if you want to go home with somebody, go home with somebody. You shouldn't have to worry about getting fucking killed. You should be able to meet a new friend without thinking, do do they want to be friends or do they want to murder me? Right, yeah. What is their intention here? Yeah, what's their intention? Online dating? That's scary for so many fucking reasons, but Mm -hmm. you never know who the fuck you're going to meet up with. Always, okay, so yeah, speaking as now we're giving you guys advice on your life. (laughs) If you're going to go on a date of somebody you met on online dating, which, hey, you know what? You do you. More power to you. Go to a place, like, go to your local bar that they know you. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, like, if I was to ever go on a date with a guy that I met on an online dating app, I'd be going to my local brewery. Right. Because, one, I know where they fucking hide the axe behind the bar. Two, I know all the bartenders <laughs> there. And three, I know all the regulars there. Right. Like that would... I could easily give someone a signal in a situation yeah. like that, and they'd be like... Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, like, I've talked several times on this podcast. Like, I feel like I'm able to handle myself. I'll definitely start a fight with anybody. Yeah. But I can't say that I could kick everyone's ass, you know? <laughs> like, I... If you come after me, I'm going to try my damnedest to protect myself. But it's just, it's nice to have a place where you know people and you you know that you're safe there. Yeah. So if you're going to do online dating, find a safe space to go there. Mm -hmm. Just saying. People that go for a walk at night in the park with someone. Yeah. Like, ooh, that's a little scary. Yeah, I'm like, no, I don't... Not even if they're... Even if you just assume they're not a killer and they're not, just what if they're... It's just not a good match, and now you're alone in the dark with someone, and you need to get away from them, and what if that makes them mad and I don't just... I don't walk anywhere at dark. I'm like, no. Mm -mm. You know, at the little bar that I worked at 10 years ago, I mean, it's maybe a 10-minute walk from my house. It was like a a one-and-a-half-minute drive. And I drove because, you know, you get out of work at 11 and it's fucking dark and the town I live in is safe. Right. But that doesn't mean... Nothing's 100% safe. Yeah. I'm like, I would never walk out of a bar with like $400 cash in my pocket and walk home in the fucking dark. Untrustworthy people that know that in lots of, in cities where people do walk to and from work, uh, there have been so many cases of someone uh, sees that the servers leave this location, this restaurant, this bar at a certain time and they walk home yeah. and then they will follow those people and at least mm-hmm. rob them if yeah. not hurt them yeah yeah i mean we just got to be careful because of these sick fuckers like mm-hmm. baumeister why can't people just be good and nice i know why can't everybody just be nice like yeah. yeah i mean i'm not nice all the time but i'm <laughs> like at least 30 percent of the time i was gonna say 70 percent <laughs> Depends on the day. Depends on the day. (laughs) Depends on who's fucked with me. Uh, It depends on who you're hanging out with. Yeah. Yeah. The other morning I woke up in a great mood. Like, it was like the sun was shining. It was a Friday. I was feeling good. I was real happy to be at work. And I think I even posted on Facebook. And I said, a curse on the house of whoever fucks up this good mood. (laughs) (laughs) And I think I made it through the whole shift. Good. Good. Yeah. 
Okay, guys. Well, I think that's going to be it for our um, true crime episode slash how to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, just be safe out there. We, we shouldn't have to worry as much as we do, like we've said. But be safe. Okay? Well, would you call this podcast as a subtitle? If, yeah. if it's how to not be a dick when going out to eat, yeah. then this would be how to not get killed when going out for dick, maybe? I like it. <laughs> How not to get killed when going out for dick. Yep. Yep. That's a good one. That's enjoyed. I it enjoyed that. It could be a spinoff, I think. Yeah. That could be, yeah, that could be like a whole fucking, like, <laughs> episode. Or like a whole series. Just life advice. Yeah. Hey, let's get this started, Pat. We can do that. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to be it for us today. Um, yeah. Make sure you're sharing the podcast uh, with all your friends. We're still not to all 50 states. We've got a couple weeks left. So, um Pat will be back with us for one more episode. Yeah. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, although you know the concerns go straight in the trash, but you're more than welcome to send them to me. <laughs> um, episode ideas, or even if you want to be a special guest on the podcast with me, you can email me at howNotToBeADickPodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. We love to hear from the listeners. We love to read what they have to say, mm-hmm. what they think. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really interesting. Yeah. We have our perspectives, but uh, hearing from yeah. other people is amazing. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. Yep. Okay, guys. Well, I will talk at you next week. Bye. Bye. Your cut. Kitchen is closed. Don't forget to roll your silverware. Last call.